0: Hello everybody, welcome back. This week is Parshat Mishpatim and we're going to be learning the halachas of netilas Yadayim for bread. So before eating bread, we're obligated to wash our hands. This netila is a mitzvah der Rabbanan, uh, enacted by Sholem HaMalach. Then the original mi- reason for this mitzvah had to do with those days when they ate Truma and they ate Kaidesh which were things that required tahara and therefore they instituted this netilah. so you should wash your hands for that kind of tahara purity, but nevertheless, the mitzvah is eternal and applies today as well. The mitzvah is to wash both hands, twice each. The whole hand, the whole hand should be washed, l'chadchila, meaning up to the wrist. Now, I don't know why this is, but for some reason, people have a habit of only washing their fingers, like up to the knuckles, and if you watch your children wash their hands, it's like they're conserving water or something. So encourage them and ourselves to wash the whole hand. It's, it's a mitzvah to wash the whole hand. And, and if you wash until the knuckles, it's sufficient. But you're meant to wash the whole hand. Chazal say that someone who is not careful with the Daim, he's not careful with the halachas, uh, he comes to poverty and, and worse. And on the flip side, someone who is careful. And even more so, uses a lot of water. This is all in Shulchan Aruch, actually. And keeps the halachas meticulously, gets an abundance of bracha and blessing in the home. One of the Amirayim used to use a lot of water by the el Sidaim so that he got more and more bracha. So there's all the more reason to wash the whole hand and, and to do it generously. Rings should be removed before washing. Now, if you never take off your ring, even when doing things that get your hands dirty, I mean, you might take it off once in a while, but essentially you're fine leaving it on for the most part. So then you actually don't have to take it off for Nathel Zidane. If you do take it off more often, and you, ta- you do try to protect it, so then it needs to be removed for Nathel Zidane as well. If you forgot to take off your ring, but your ring is a loose kind of ring, it's not very tight, it's loose, then the Natila works with the of even though you forgot it on. If you have any chatzitza on your hands, it needs to be removed. If you have a Band-Aid on, it depends. If the Band-Aid is on well and it won't come off and you don't plan on removing it during the course of the sudo, meaning you really need that Band-Aid there still, then it can be left on. You can just wash the Tiel over it. If it uh, might come off or you might take it off, then it needs to be removed before washing. If you have nail polish, which is chipped and really is about to be removed, you're planning on taking it off, then it's a chatzita, and it needs to be removed before washing for bread. And likewise, all kinds of dirt or sticky stuff need to be cleaned off before washing. After washing the hands, you're supposed to make the bracha before drawing your hands. And the reason for this is, as we have mentioned earlier, all brachas are essentially supposed to be made prior to doing the mitzvah. All brachas of, of mitzvahs are meant to be made before you perform the mitzvah. So if so, why don't we make al-nitzel sedayim before washing our hands? So the reason is because we want our hands to be clean and pure for the bracha. And you might have touched something, you went to the bathroom or whatever, so Chazal instituted that the bracha should always be done after the natila. However, drawing hands is considered part of the mitzvah. So before drying, you would consider that still in the middle of the mitzvah, so you can make the bracha then. After you've dried your hands, according to some Paiskim, you actually can't make the bracha anymore. Now, we don't hold that way, and we hold you can make the bracha even if you dried your hands until you make hamaytzi, then it's too late. But nevertheless, you should be careful not to forget and wipe your hands before making the bracha, because the proper place for the bracha is before one dries their hands. And that being said, it's important to realize that part of the mitzvah is drying your hands. So, Chazal also discourage greatly eating bread with moist hands. Now, they don't have to be bone dry, but just not wet enough to get something else wet. Uh, so, it can be moist, just not like no actual moisture on it. You should avoid drying your hands on your shirt or clothing because Chazal say this is kashal ashikha causes a person to forget. Some people have a chumrah of drying their hands before washing them. So, like, there should be no other water on their hands other than the the water that you're washing with. Now, this is a valid chumrah, but one doesn't have necessarily to be maqbut on it. However, if someone touches your hand while they are still wet, and that person hasn't washed their hands yet, so a person, an unwashed person touches your washed hands while they're wet, you have to wash that again. If he only touches your hands after your hands are dry, that's not a problem. But if your hands are still wet and they touch your hands, it's an issue, and if you've already made the bracha from, for the first time, you don't have to make the bracha again. So you only make the bracha once. One should not talk after washing their hands. If you need to communicate something about the challah, the chala knife, the salt, or anything related to the hamaytzi, you're actually allowed to talk. You don't have to go, ooh, and point. You can actually talk. But if you talk for another reason, you should wash again, but without a bracha. You can only make the bracha of Al-Natilas Yadayim if you are planning on eating at least a kibetza of bread. So that means if you're eating, for example, a sheet of matzah, right, of uh, the machine matzah. Now, the whole sheet happens to equal exactly a kibetza. So if you're going to eat the whole sheet, no problem. You can wash and, and make an al tlc diet. But if you're planning on eating less, if let's say you only want to eat half a sheet of matzah, then you still have to wash, but you shouldn't make an al tlc diet. Likewise, if you're eating a slice of bread, so a full big slice is a kebeta. but less than that isn't. So an alnetziosidaim shouldn't be made. You should wash, but you shouldn't make an alnetziosidaim unless you're planning on eating a kebetah. Now, if you're planning and then it happens to turn out you don't, that's fine because retroactively it doesn't invalidate it. But you do have to plan on eating a kebetah in order to be able to make the bracha alnetziosidaim, and this is relevant for children who often come to the Shabbat Suda and only eat a bite of challah. So if that's what they're planning on doing, and you know that's what they're going to do, they really shouldn't be making an al ncosud uh, Interestingly, this comes up lately. I've been talking to people about the kinds of bread that use other grains. So you, if you have oat bread, or spelt, or, or matzah, etc., it has other grains in it. If you examine the ingredients, it turns out that there is it, it, it's only partially five grains. It has potato flour. It has other kinds of flour in it. And you need a kibaya of, of wheat or five-grain flour. So if you're eating that kind of matzah or that kind of uh, challah, which is made out of other grains and has other ingredients, uh, it's important to, f- to figure out exactly how the shiurim work in, a, in order to know how much to bench on and how, at what point you can make an al n Passion Mishpatim, we know, talks all about financial halachas and how a Jew has to conduct business. Now, we know that as Jews, we have a very different way of life. let start with the three big ones. Kashrus, Shabbos, Taharas HaMishpacha. We eat differently. We can't eat anywhere we want. We eat kosher food. It's special. It's unique. It's Jewish. We have Shabbos. We have yantis, And it's a concept very foreign to outsiders. You can't use electricity. No forms of... Work way beyond what people think work is. You can't pick out the forks from the knives. You can't mash a banana. It's all-encompassing, and it makes our weekly and yearly life drastically different than non-Jews and and irreligious Jews. Taras and Mishpacha. What a different family life we have. And these are just three mitzvahs, and essentially they are three mitzvahs, and they totally define and redefine what our lives are, what our lives are like. It, It just changes the nature of Jewish life. Then we have so many mitzvahs asei, which define us and shape our culture and life. There's davening, mezuzah, psalin, tzitzit, brachas, kiddush, tzudah shavit, nyantiv, sukkah, matzah, purim, chanukah, and the list goes on and on. Interestingly, irreligious Jews are more likely to keep some of these mitzvahs than any mitzvahs, like say. But for us, the three mitzvahs, let like are really what define a Jewish home. So needless to say, every aspect of our lives, our family lives, our children's lives, our education system, our food, everything is uniquely, exclusively Jewish. But how about the way we do business? Is that uniquely Jewish? Can anyone point a finger at how we do business and say, oh, oh, they're Orthodox Jews. That's how they do things. Can you imagine that ever happening? Forget about a now, Jew. Can we do that? Can we identify our method of doing business and say, ah, that's how a from Jew does business but we have a Torah full of law after law governing business and financial practices. If we are keeping all those laws, shouldn't we be unusual in our way of doing business as well? The funny thing is that there seems there's a book, which perhaps is a best-selling book at some point, and it's titled The Jewish Way of Doing Business, but wouldn't you know, it's written by a Japanese mogul. Then Fujita, the man who brought... McDonald's to Japan rest assured he's not writing about ethics but one might argue that essentially many chesh and halachas are ethically and morally self-understood so any honest person will deal in business that way now there is truth to this but it's really an untrue statement the real correct answer to this is that we really should be totally different and recognizable as from Jews in our way of doing business as well and the problem is lack of education. We aren't taught how a Jew does business the way we are taught how to make brachis, keep Shabbos, and eat kosher. Let me give a couple of examples. The Gemara relates a story about a Tana named Abba Chilkia. He was a great tzaddik, even among Tanaim. He was the grandson of Rav Chanina ben Daisa. One time, Chai Yisrael and Eretz Yisrael, they needed rain, and their tefillas weren't being answered. So the Chachamim sent a delegation to Abba Chilkia to dab him for them. They looked for him in his house, and he wasn't there. So they looked for him in his place of work, the field. Sure enough, he was working. So they approached him, and they said, Shalom Aleichem. He totally ignored them, turned all the way. So they watched him, and he finished working. He gathered up some firewood, and then he proceeded to remove his jacket or his shirt, even, on one shoulder, and placed the wood directly on his shoulder. The Gemara goes on to relate many... that he did until finally he davened before the Rabbanim could even ask him to do so, and it began raining. So he then turns around and he greets the Rabbanim, and he asks them, why did you come? And they said, Ka needs rain. So he said, oh, Baruch Hashem, look, Hashem already gave rain before you asked me. So they weren't fooled, and they said, we know Hashem only granted rain because of your tfilis, but please explain your actions to us. Why didn't you answer us when we greeted you, and why did you place the wood directly on your shoulder? So he answered, I am an employee. I'm working for someone. And I didn't want to answer you because that would distract me a moment from my work. The jacket I have is borrowed, and I borrowed it to wear. I don't have permission to put wood on it. That's a Jewish way of business. That's a Jewish employee. And this is not just the story. It's halachas and shulchanarach. Employees aren't allowed to stop and daven a full shmena esrei if they're being paid on the clock. They have to daven the shortened version of Havineinu, a couple of a paragraph or two. The Shulchan Aruch says that nowadays most people, most employers aren't makbed on something like that, and they understand that their employees can and they allow them to daven. But essentially, there it is. If the employee employer does care, and it's, it seems like that's the way it used to be, the employee can take the extra minute or two it takes to say the whole Shemane Esrei. And that's very extreme. And that is a Jewish employee. And Shulchan Aruch it says that a teacher or a rebbe may not stay up late at night, can't change their eating habits in a way that will compromise their health and their their awakeness and their ability to do work. It's halach and zhokonach. And another means is like this. The same way we stay away from the slightest whiff of trace. If something has a questionable hashgacha, we don't buy it. If the wrong spoon got into the path, we don't eat it. If something wasn't quite checked for bugs, we throw it away. We don't want even a possibility of an isser to enter our mouths. And that's exactly the way a Jew should be treating someone else's money. Even the slightest amount, a shavapruta or even less, should be avoided like chazer and baser The Chavetz Chaim, when he was younger, he bought a cow to generate income. Now he had very particular specifications for this cow. It couldn't have horns. He would not have a cow that could chaser shalom hurt someone. So after he finally located a cow, he would check and double-check that it was locked up properly, so it shouldn't eat or trample something of someone else's. One time, the Chavat Chaim was in a different city, and he approached a merchant who was headed back to Raden. So he asked him, please, please, take this letter from my wife. And he said, you have to give this letter to my wife immediately when you arrive, the beginning of the day, before you go to any of your business, and if you don't give it right away, it's pointless. Okay, the man agreed. So as he was traveling, the, the man's curiosity got the better of him. What could the Chafetz Chaim possibly want? I mean, it was market day tomorrow. Maybe the Chafetz Chaim had a specific merchandise he wanted his w- wife to buy before everyone else. Well, you know what? I'm also a merchant. Maybe, uh, maybe I want to buy that too. Back and forth, finally, his Tahara got the better of him. He opened the letter. The letter said, Dear Eberson, please make sure to lock up the cow the whole day tomorrow. It's market day, and non-Jews will be coming to town. And a non-Jew is Macbeth even on less than a Shavu Kruz, even less than a five cents. And if the cow licks something of theirs, I'll be a Gavlin Chashasham. Now that is a clearly identifiable and uniquely Jewish way of doing business and avoiding damaging other people's money and being totally honest. Now we think to ourselves, come on, that's extreme. It's It's so radical. But isn't that exactly how non-Jews think of our halacha, our kashris, our Shabbos? I'm sure this has happened to some of you. The flight attendant on the plane asks you if you want a meal. And you say, well, is there kosher? And she says, sorry, we don't have. So can I give you this? And then she's like so flabbergasted that you won't eat anything else. Like, really? You won't eat anything else? And yes, our halachas are extreme. They're specific. They're unswerving. Even on iota. And the way we deal with other people's money, is meant to be exactly the same. Think of the the mitzvah of of Ashavas Aveda to return a lost object. On the outside, it seems logical enough, but the halacha is, if you find a donkey, you have to take care of it. But if you keep on feeding it, eventually the cost of food, which you are allowed to charge the owner, will exceed the worth of the donkey, so you aren't doing a favor for the owner by feeding it and, and then charging him for it, so what's your obligation? Halacha is you need to rent out the donkey. Now, are you a car rental business? No, you have better things to do. But you need to be busy advertising and finding prospective renters and then collecting and all everything that comes with it. The Gemara relates the story with Rechanina Ben Daisa, who found a chicken and eventually got a flock of chickens, which he sold and it became a herd of goats, before eventually the owner turned up and he returned him all everything that was his. Now, Rechanina Ben Daisa, you can be sure, didn't have time, any extra time to spear, but this is the value of someone else's money, and that is uniquely Jewish. It's orthodox, and no other person in the world would do anything remotely like that. I had a friend in Eretz who, whose name was Rabbi Gerelek, and he, as a child, was Zaychot to to Rav Zundel Kreiser, that's all as a tutor. Rav Zundel Kreiser was one of the old Yerushalayim Jews, a piece of history, a tremendous Talmud Chacham, and a great Tzaddik. So he told me that at the end of the month, Rav Zundel would give him a paper that had a cheshwin for his parents, how much he was owed, and it was down to the penny. He would like, write something like, you know, $442.32. That's how honest he was. That's how he keep, kept track of the seconds, and that's a Jewish employee. Reval Dushnitzer Zatzal was someone the Chazayn Ish said was one of the Vav Tzadikim, of the generation. Now, he lived in Petach Tikva, and he owned an orchard nearby. Towards the end of his life, He wasn't capable of tending to it anymore, so he wanted to sell it. He put ads in the papers, but it was taking a long time, and no customers were showing up. So he asked his friend, who was a banal of a cheder, if he could get the boys to say to him for him. They did. Sure enough, uh, a farmer contacted him, and he's interested. So Revali gets on a bus with the man, takes him down to the orchard, and on the way, he tells the man, have you ever learned Gemara by any chance? The man says, a little. The Gemara says that if you want to lose your money, hire employees and don't keep watch over them so are you sure you want to buy this orchard so the man smiled and said revy don't worry this is my line of work i know how to manage workers i'll hire them and i'll 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 make sure they do their job so revalius says really okay okay they get to the orchard revalius starts to point out one thing after another you see those branches they're sickly now you can treat them but i'm not sure they'll recover so the man interrupts him. The farmer says, listen, Rabbi, I'm a professional. I saw everything as soon as I walked in. You don't have to explain this to me. He says, really? Oh, okay. But he didn't stop. He kept on pointing out each tree's issues, what might work. It's not guaranteed, and I don't know if you should really buy it. And the man kept on reassuring him, I know, I know. Fine. After a few minutes, this man takes out a bottle, and he pops a few pills. Reveille asks him, what are those pills? So the farmer and says, well, I have a little heart condition, and I take these to keep it in check. Eh, Don't worry, it's really nothing. Revalia Dushnitzer, Zatzal, he immediately turns around and he says, oh, uh, there's no way I'm going to sell you this field. I can't sell a field like this. Come man with a heart condition, who knows what it will do to you. That is a uniquely Jewish way of doing business. That's what the Torah expects from us. It expects us to value someone else's money and stay as far away from it as we can, treat it like basar Bakalo, like Hazar, like Trafe. And and put those safeguards that we have and all other mitzvahs and on Shabbos and, and on Kashris and and Bacha have those the same way when in regard to honesty and to business. Have a good night and a good Shabbos.